Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Take your Bible, turn to John 10. John 10. It's a uh, new day, new, new series kicking off. Uh, again, just a lot of exciting new things that God's wanting to do in you. I, I'll just tell you, I love that. And again, if it's your first time, we, um, we again, we, we believe the Bible. <laughs> we just do. We just believe, believe the Bible. And, uh, and we believe God speaks to us through it. And uh, we believe that uh, His grace and His Holy Spirit helps us to go live it and walk it out. And um, so uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're trusting God for. So uh, I want to read one verse to kind of just set a little, I guess, a little tone for... Uh, I guess kind of where we're going to go during this series. There's going to be a lot of, lot of, lot of scripture in this thing, a lot of uh, different I don't know, things that the Lord's already put in my heart. And I, I'm trying to space it out. I'm just trying to, trying to just process all that he's been, he's been you know, putting in his word and showing me in the, in the area of restoration. So look at your neighbor and say, man, restoration. Oh, man, just get that word in your spirit. Get that word in your heart. Let's read John 10, and we're going to read verse 10. If you got it, say amen. Let's go. The thief does not come. And this is red letter if you have red letter. And uh, if, if you have that, these are the words of, of Jesus. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Yes. Man, that's good news right there. That's a, that's a good promise. Before we just go any further, man, let's just thank him for that. And let's just talk to him one more time together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. I, 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 just, I just thank you, Lord, that you came to give us life, Lord, and that life in full, in abundance, God. And I, I thank you today, Lord, that you're a God of restoration. Hmm. Lord, you're a God of restoration, Lord, and you restore in greater ways and in greater measure than anything we've seen in the past. And, Lord, I'm believing you and trusting you for the great things, the best things that are yet to come for this church and for us and for your people today. And I'm just, I just again, once I'm excited about each person that's here, I just ask you to just bless them today. God, open our hearts and minds and our spirits today to just receive, grab hold of every bit of this word that we can today. In Jesus' mighty name, say it with me, church. Amen. 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 Uh, I am uh, I'm pumped today. I'm excited about we're kicking off this new series Call restoration, as you can see on the screen. And, uh, but I just want to keep reminding you that we're not going to pull away from more. Amen. If you were able to be here for the more series, I just hope God challenged you and encouraged you and just pushed you into a place to believe God for things. And uh, hopefully it was a time of equipping for you and a process that, that he uh, you know, just kind of took you through to believe God for more. And I just trust him. How many believe that God can do way more than we've ever seen him do in the past? That's what I, I think. I think he can do way more than anything I've ever seen. And I've been in church a long time, and I've seen God do a lot of stuff, and uh, I've seen him change a lot of hearts, and I've seen him do a lot of things in me, and I still believe. Oh, man, I still trust him for more, and I still believe God is nowhere even, even in any way just begin to reveal to us what's, what he's about to do and what he wants to do in our lives. So keep getting that word in you. Uh, do this. Go back and listen to these messages. All these messages are on our podcast. We're online. They're free of charge. So get God's word in you. Listen to those things. Share those with your, with your neighbors and friends. And, um, and, but we did this in the last message of more. Uh, we talked about just living this lifestyle and taking the time to just pull back and just focus where it needs to be focused, 
put our eyes where they need to be set, and just look to Jesus and just fall in love with him again. I mean, I mean, there's just something about that love relationship with him. And, uh, and, and I know this is what happens. We, we, don't, we have failed love relationships in this life sometimes. And so we don't even, somehow, I don't even really know if we can even grasp how powerful the love relationship can be with Jesus and how real that can be to have someone in your life who will never leave you. That's powerful. To have someone in your life who will never in any way forsake you, hurt you, turn his back on you, beat you down. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father. And so today he wants to have our love relationship with you. So I just want to encourage you to just keep falling in love with him and, and go back to that. We, we finished this series last week, and, and we looked in Revelation where, where uh, God spoke to the church in Ephesus, and he gave them a couple of things that he wanted to t- tell them. And I believe he spoke them to this church last week. He, he spoke them into my life, is that we need to do this. Return back to our first love. Go back to where it all started and come back to him. Go to that place in him. Remember what he did for you. Amen. Remember where you were without him. But remember where he's brought you to and where he's put you and where he set your feet. So remember that. And then I even do this. Uh, we repent and we, we live this lifestyle of repentance to him. And we just, we trust him. It means we continually renew our minds. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So we know when we come to Christ, if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me tell you what will happen. In a moment, it just the Holy Spirit can come into your life and your spirit can receive by grace this free gift called salvation and your spirit can be set into a place in the heavens and you can have this relationship with Jesus. You can have a, a home set in heaven, a place where you can go spend eternity. If you make that decision to trust him, surrender to him, and follow him. And I love that. I love what he shows us in scriptures and the things that are there. And, and I just believe this. As I was just kind of just processing this, this message for today, I, I was trying my best. And this is what I want to do. I wanted to continue the more series and, and it kind of be this week be the last message and it be on restoration. It was kind of where I just felt like we were going to do. And I just could not in any way narrow this down to a message. And so the Lord just said, take it a series, spend some time doing this. And so today I want to do this. I want us to talk about restoration and, uh, and what God can do. When we hear the word restoration, we immediately do this. I, I, anybody, anybody watch reality TV? Go ahead, y'all. Go ahead, sinners. Okay, I, 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 I like reality TV, which is not real. We know that uh, for, the, for the most part, but I like some of it. Now, there's some shows you just don't need to watch. Uh, if you need a list of those, I'll, I'll give you that after church. Uh, don't watch these, do watch these. No, I'm just, you have to make that decision. But there are some things I do enjoy watching. I, I enjoy watching American Pickers. I feel Jesus when I say that, man. I don't know, just something about that. It just kind of like, I don't know, it just kind of reminds me of what he did in me, man. He went through the trash, went through all the mess, said there's something valuable right there. And just pulls it out, man, and just restores the value in it and just takes it and, and just, just reveals how powerful it can be. I just love that. I, I, I like a show called American Restoration. Anybody, anybody seen that show? It's okay. You know, I ain't got to act like it's that bad. It ain't that, that bad. Some of them don't raise your hand. Uh, lizard lick toeing. Good. I was, oh, some of y'all better get to the altar. Uh, but uh, but, but, there, but I, I like American restoration. I, I like the process of it. And again, I like kind of how they do this thing called reality TV because of the anticipation it builds. I mean, it, it, they bring in this, this you know, kind of uh, messed up piece 
into this, this guy who, who takes, um, I mean, Coke machines and, and I, I don't know. I mean, this, it's just amazing. Some of the stuff they restore on this show, some of the things that they take, it's amazing to me. And they bring it in, and you're looking at that thing, and you're saying, wow, what even is that? What, what, what was that? And they make it really exciting on TV and they, they pull the open the trunk up and, and it's like they add the lights kind of shining in on it and you just kind of getting pulled in. It's like, yeah, man. And then you're like, what is that? It kinda, it's kind of kind of pretty cool because, again, they take it out, they lay it on the table, and then they start kind of painting a picture. They start telling a story about this, this product. And then they take this product and they lay it in the hands of this team. And then this team will restore this piece of work. I love it. It's just cool, man. It's just some of the stuff that kind of, kind of takes me in. And I start loving that. And, and they always do it. They always do this. They're getting ready for the big reveal. And it's getting ready to happen. And they're getting ready to pull the curtains off of it. And then all of a sudden, what do they do? Go to commercial. I mean, that's, that's what I do. So y'all come back next week, if you would, and we're going to finish this message, and I'll tell you how to get your life restored. So let's pray if we can. So no, let's get no, we won't, we won't make you wait. But, but it's, it happens every time. It's just like you see it. They're having the American Idol, and they're getting ready to tell the winner, and they're getting ready to unfold it, and we'll tell you right after this commercial message, you know, and so we, we, we do it, but we get pulled in, but in the American, in the restoration, I love what they do, but the process of restoration through Christ is always better, and I, I like what they say. A lot of times, the person remembers what that was like as a child. They look at that, 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 that piece of work, and they're like, man, it's better now than it was when I was a kid. This thing, I don't even ever remember it being this nice. And it's what happens when Christ comes in our life. And it's what he wants to do for you today. I'm telling you, pull, pull hard on this message today. Pull hard what's in me. Try to get it out. Because I believe if you get this in your heart, it can be far greater than anything you've ever experienced before. I, I talked about last week about how, man, being in a place with God and remembering those moments where I would just sit and cry and just worship and spend time with him. And, and it was just like, man, God, take me back. But the Holy Spirit said this, I want to do more. I want to restore. And the restoration that I can bring into your life is always better than anything restoration that we see in the natural. Because he's been just by definition, the word restore means this, to reestablish something to its original condition. But when you, but when you look at Scripture, the, the, final, the final condition that he puts us in after restoration is always superior. It's always far greater. It's always better. And you'll see it. You see it even back underneath the law. Someone would take an ox and someone would steal a bullock or one of those things from, from someone. They would have to restore it fivefold or sevenfold. They'd have to return those things. You would see even in throughout Scripture and through different places where Job, a man of God, where things were taken from him. And then in the end, he was restored double for his trouble. And so you see this throughout Scripture. You'll see times in Scripture where Jesus will say this, if you forsake certain things, I'll return certain things to your life. And you would even see it in some measure 100-fold. Oh, come on, man. Anybody had anything stolen from them? Anybody had anything taken from them? And, man, just imagine the restoration, the feeling that can happen when God comes into that situation and restores again, not just where you were, but he wants to take you to a place of even greater 
And we see this. This was laid out for us in Scripture, and it's like a continual picture. If you spend time in this book, you'll continually see story after story of people jacking up the situation, messing something up, and God coming back in and restoring it. Man, I'm thankful. I serve a God of restoration. I serve a God who's a healer and who restores. And what he does, he always gives back better than what we ever had. And it's what he wants to do for us. And we've seen it in Adam and Eve's life. Imagine this. I mean, how many wants to smack Adam and Eve when you get to heaven? I'm serious, man. I've had to repent for that attitude, man. I want to get to heaven, man. Smack Adam in the teeth. Say, come on, dude. What was you thinking? You know, and it's just frustrating sometimes. But just imagine for a moment, God set them in the garden. Some of y'all are like, man, what kind of preacher? I didn't show up. Right in the- man, I've been in a church like this before. Good, good. But you, you see these situations where, I mean, they were put in this garden in Eden, set up. Just set up. It was beautiful. They had this time where they just were made. The Bible says they were created in the image of him. And, and they were put in this image and they had intimacy with him. They had unbroken fellowship. They could just spend time in the presence of God continually. And it was so cool. He would show up and it said that he would walk with them in the cool of the day. Just, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm like, I mean, just think for a second. How awesome would it be? For us to be able to just walk with him in the cool of the day. I'm setting you up for something real quick because here's the truth. He established something even greater after our failure. He he set up something for us where it wasn't just God showing up in the person of God, of the first God that we see, the Father, and walking with them in the cool. He sent someone to us called the Holy Spirit, which is also God, and that we can continually now have him walking with us every day of our life. And it's the picture you see in Scripture. And I love what happens because, again, their failure, their folly, their fault brought this division. It wasn't God. It wasn't, it was them being put in a garden with a choice and a decision to make. And like us, let's be honest, they made their own decision. Like us, sometimes they made their own choice and they, they made their own decision. And this is what happens. This is, this is just what happens. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just talking out of my, my failure right now. But what they did is what I do and what we do but so many times They took, after their failure and their separation because of fear, it said that they went and they hid, and they came out, and God asked them, you know, where are you at, Adam? Now, come on, he's God. He knows where they're at. He was just trying to get them to come to a place in their struggle. But what they had done was this. They went and took fig leaves, and they took these leaves, and they tried to piece them together to cover up their nakedness. They had taken the fig leaves, they had taken these things, and they had tried to put it together and sew something to try to cover now the nakedness, the sin, and the shame of their failure. But I love God's grace. And this is just such a picture of it. And he's trying to show us in Scripture, even this early state in time, what restoration looks like because he comes on the scene. And I love it. Some of y'all are like, man, you know, that was a bad deal. It was a bad day, and it is, and I'm still praying that I, you know, get my heart right before I get to heaven and don't backhand Adam. But, but I'm kind of thankful for, for some of what took place because this is what happens. God came on the scene, and it said this. It said that he provided for them 
a tunic. He provided for them the clothing. So this is what happened. He took an innocent animal, sacrificed the innocent animal, and covered their sin. And, and covered their nakedness and covered their shame. And I love what he's doing. He, he's, he's doing this for us. He's showing us in this picture of, of grace and this picture of restoration that when we try to piece it together on our own, we're still naked. When we try to put it together and try to make it work and try to make it happen on our own strength, we're still naked. We're still ashamed. We're still failure. We're we're still in every way, every situation exposed without God. But he came on the scene and it did this. He provided the sacrifice for us. And I love what we see. We see a picture now of the grace of God in his love, and he became the substitution for us, and he became the sacrifice for our sin. And Jesus did this for us. He knew that we would never be able to work it out. He knew it didn't matter if you make it to church every Sunday in 2014. At the end of the year, you're still going to be a failure without Jesus. That's a good encouraging word for you today. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. But it's just true. It just brings us to a place where we see our need for him. Even now, Lord, as I was singing that, even now, God, I'm waiting on you. I need you. We got to have you. So we see this picture in here of a beautiful picture of restoration. And throughout Scripture, and this is what we're going to do over these next few weeks, throughout Scripture, we're going to see the separation. We're going to see the breakdown happen but you're going to see God's power always come back onto the scene and restore even greater than anything that you've ever lost. That's the restoration of God. That's the restore that I serve. That's the restore who's the God of this house. It's the one who restores and brings back even greater measure anything that you ever lost. So I want to do this. Take your Bibles, and uh, and we're going to go into several portions of Scripture through this series, and, uh, and we're going to look at several situations where we need God. Amen. How many knows we need him? Even now. Come on, I need him. And so uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Joel, and um, <clears throat> if, you're, um, if you're a Hebrew scholar, you would say Joel. And uh, so I just want to give that for my Hebrew scholars out there. Joel. And, and, and if you would pull on out to, and go to, go to just chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to break down some stuff. We're going to look at some things today and uh, in, in the book of Joel. And if you know anything about Joel, Joel, this is a prophetic book. All right, a prophet, a prophet is is one who speaks of what's to come. And and the good thing about the prophecy and this 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 book that we serve is a far greater word of prophecy than anything that you can ever be spoken in your life or you think you hear. This is always your best source. Amen. And this is always your best resource. And so you can always go back to this book and read it. And so he gives us words. And so this is a book of, the, of prophecy. And so we see this during this time. This is a time of, of, of devastation in the land of Judah. Now, I, I just want to kind of pull back for just a second before we start reading some of this in here and just look at a picture that's being painted, what I believe. We're seeing in this time a, a time of devastation, a time of where literally, I mean, it was just amazing what had happened on this, in this land. I mean, literally everything had came in and been destroyed in this land, even so much so that it came down and the wood had been taken off the trees. 
and they were just naked and unashamed, man, and, and ashamed and just stripped down bare. The entire land had been destroyed. Now, I, I, I'm not going to spend much time, but I do want to just kind of just speak for a second about where this happened and why this took place. Because if you study scripture, you'll see some things happen. And, and it happens a lot in the Old Testament where you see that God sent something or God did something. I want you to understand when we read scripture, when we read the Bible, we interpret it, always understand this. If anything ever happens and you see God's connection to it, it's always because of our folly and failure. Okay, because I, 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 want, I want you to see something. That, that Jesus came that you might have life. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is the one who's bringing devastation into your situation. So, so when you look at a problem, you look at a situation, even when you see and you read Scripture, say, man, God's doing something to me. God's doing nothing for you or to you except loving you and providing a way out. That's what God's doing for us. So in every situation, don't do this. Don't get in that place. And again, we've all been there. Well, man, I can't believe God did this to me. You know what I can't believe God did for me? I can't believe God sent his son for me. I just can't believe that, man. I cannot believe Jesus come out of heaven where he had it made, come to earth and got on the cross for my sins. I just, I can't believe that. That's what should be hard for us to believe. So always look at the situation, know where the enemy is, know who's on your side, and always recognize those two things. But we see something here, great devastation in the land of Judah. Now, I don't know if you know much about this word. Judah means praise. Okay, Judah means that we will praise him. So let me just go ahead and just let you know here that the enemy is always after your praise. He's always after your praise. He's always in every way trying to destroy your lifestyle of thankfulness because that is the way that we should live. He tells us in everything, give him thanks. In every situation, man, thank him. And, and, and I, I mean, that's a difficult, that's a hard thing to do sometimes. When you're in the middle of a mess, God, I thank you. And I'm in the middle of this mess. But when you start seeing things and you start, start recognizing who's with you, the Holy Spirit, you start saying, thank you that I'm not in this mess by myself. Come on, I thank you. So there's always something to be thankful about. And we see it in Scripture that we see that the, the enemy is always trying to attack the praise that we have for him, this lifestyle of thankfulness. And so I want you to grab this. You know when we're spending time before I get up here and start preaching? We're spending time in what we call praise and worship in our church. And what we're doing during that time, and, I, and this is what's happening in the church. And, and, it's, and it's, again, it's just the world we're living in, the culture that has been created, and the mindset we have. We think that time is for us. We just do. And, and, and we just think that that's when we come in and now this is my time and this is my... And, and again, this is what happens when we recognize what's really happening. When we make it about him, when we praise him, when we worship him, he always blesses. He always pours in our, into our life. And so I've just, I've just tried to make up in my mind. And I love Brent. I love what he was sharing earlier. And if you ever watch Brent praise and worship, you can never tell if it's been a good week or a bad week. He just praises I love that. So many times we let what's been going on in our situation affect our praise. And so, so you got to see this. There's sometimes I'm jumping or raising my hands or lifting my voice or shouting unto God, not because it's been a good week. Sometimes it may have been the worst week of my life and I might have went through hell that week. But I come into this place and I give God praise because when I know I give God praise, he inhabits my praise. He comes onto the scene. He comes into the situation. So do this when you come in here. 
Do this when you come here. Every Sunday morning, every day you wake up, say, man, God, I just want to spend some time in praise to you. I love it. I just want to spend time in worship to you. And listen, you don't have to do it through any type of ritual. You can just do it out of a relationship and out of that love walk that we've talked about. And I like what David did in the Bible. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you know David, man, David, can I say idiot in church? Some of y'all do it. I heard that. I mean, just, he, David, was not, David was not bright sometimes. He made bad decisions. And, and I, I, but I, I love David. I love what he did. I love it. You, you, David was in a time to where you would have to go and you would have to go through ceremonial cleansings to get into the presence of God. Oh, hear this. Now, hear, hear the, oh, man, this is awesome. He, he, would, he was living in a time to where they would have to go through the ceremonial cleansing. I was talking to Sarah. Is Sarah in here? Sarah is going through the surgical tech. Uh, we have Kyle who just graduated. Come on, show crowds. Kyle, some look. Kyle graduated from the surgical tech program or whatever. And if you're ever in the room, he might be the one handing them the screwdriver, so be careful. And, uh, and so <clears throat> that's a be nice to it. You know, but, but they, would, they would do this. They would go through the process of cleansing. And so the other day, they were, they, there was a surgery and, and, uh, the, that was going on. Meemaw was going through surgery. If you don't know Meemaw, Meemaw's awesome. And uh, Meemaw was going through surgery, and Sarah was telling us what's going on in the scenes. She's telling us what's going on behind the scenes, that they're going through this washing and this cleansing and this process. And uh, there's a lot of times that I come and see y'all in the hospitals, I walk in the room like this. All right, let's do this. I'm ready to go, man. You know, I just do that. I don't, I don't kind of fun sometimes. Make it a lot. But they go through this process. During this time that we see in Scripture, they would have to go through this deep cleansing process. They would have to go through certain, certain formalities. And, this was, and it would sometimes get ugly. After all they went through, after all the process that they went through of cleansing and, and, and trying to make these things right, they would still, on situations, go into the presence of God. Get ready. Drop dead. And they had these bells tied to them, and, and they recognized that, man, the bell quit ringing. Guy standing outside the door saying, wait a minute, I don't hear the ding thing anymore. And they would pull the rope that was tied to them and pull them out and say, man, we have lost another one. Who wants to sign up for the next, next uh, priest opening we got here, man? You know, turnover was kind of rough back in the day. <laughs> but in this time, I love what David was doing. David was a, just a teenager. God, listen to me, young people. Don't ever doubt what God can do you and you right now. Don't think that you have to wait until I get older and then God's going to use me. Because he was out on the hillside, dirty. He was out there, the Bible said he was just had ruddy complexion because he had been out in the sun. He was keeping sheep. He was spending this time in just out there doing, keeping the fields. But he was out there in this dirty place, in this dirty thing, keeping dirty sheep in the presence of God when others were falling out and failing because they couldn't do it on their own. But this is what got him there. Praise. Praise. He would praise him. He would get on the hillside and just praise him. They would get on the hillside and just, and just, just, he would just love them. And in Psalms 43, 5, I love what happens. Even after his failures and faults, he would say this. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. And he says this, for I shall yet praise him. Come on. He said, for I shall yet praise 
praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And so he would do this. And this is what you got to do. It don't matter what's going on. I'm still going to praise him. I'm, st- I'm still, I'm out to change how I praise him. I might have a messed up foot, Charlotte. I might have to praise him sitting down, but I'm still going to praise him. I might not be able to jump like I used to jump when I get a little bit older, but I'm still going to praise him. I'm going to still give him what he deserves. Yet will I praise him regardless of what's going on. Yet will I praise him. Listen to me. Praise him. Praise him. Because listen, this is what happens. It was out of the line of Judah. It was out of that place, out of that, that, that tribe that we saw the Messiah come forth, that we seen the line of the tribe, the Bible says, of Judah come forth. And so this is what's going on. This is why the enemy is so hard after your praise. This is why he comes in here and you meant to praise him, but you had your mind somewhere else. You was going to praise him, but you knew what was going on when you had to leave here. Listen to me. Regardless of what's happening, start praising Because, listen, you don't understand what may come forth out of that line if you just keep praising, if you just keep giving him, keep loving him. And so we see it, the greatest miracle of all time. And it says this, that this place had been destroyed. Destruction. Now, it's, it's, I don't know, if, if, I, if you read a story and if you just kind of jump in there in the middle of the story and you look at some kind of situation sometimes, you don't even realize exactly what we're dealing with. Uh, if, if you just jumped in here and you heard this story and we left today and I just told you that this place was devastated and destruct, destruction fell, all this place was just totally demolished, you would, in your mind sometimes if you don't know the story, you could have a tendency to think this. But man, these were big giants that come in there and took over. Bible says that this was a, he calls it the northern army. It was a northern army that come in. If you start hearing terms like northern army, you know what, you, man, you can start thinking, man, man, these guys, these are the elite, these are the best of the best, man. These are the guys in full top condition with the greatest weapons. These are the guys with the AK and the ARs. Somebody else help me out. I got 12 gauge. That's all I got to go at, nine millimeter. But <clears throat> I mean the best of the best, all this stuff. But you know what? I come in and destroyed that place. The northern army. You know what the northern army was made up of? It was made up of locusts. And I put a little, I put a locust up. Can you, can you place that picture of a locust? Oh. That's cute, ain't it? That's just, I mean, <clears throat> some of y'all, y'all, y'all are terrified right now. I mean, some of y'all want to pull out y'all's concealed weapon. Listen, hang on. Just be careful. But just this little thing, a locust. I was just thinking, man, I was like, ain't it just exactly kind of what happens to us? Now, just go with me for a second. This northern army, this, this big, massive destruction, destroying force that went through and even ate the bark off the trees. In this agricultural town where all their their finances and money came through those things, devastated, totally destroyed. And now the Bible says even the seeds that would reproduce and grow back for the next harvest had already been totally destroyed. So now not only did now look bad, tomorrow looks even worse. 
because of you seeing this situation because of a locust. Now, I kind of got to thinking, I was like, hold on now. Why can this little thing cause such a big issue in our life? Look at Joel chapter 1 in verse 4. I hope you've already there by now. If you ain't found it by now, you ain't going to find it. Um, <clears throat> verse 4, it said, What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now, it, it, just look at how this is going to come in. And this is, how, this, is how, this is how it'll come into your life. This is how the devastation will happen in the small things. Sometimes we do this and we look at the situation, man, and you, and you get back and you say, man, I'm ready for the fight. I'm ready for the big thing. And you've, you're on guard, man. You guarded your heart. You've got, you, you got, your, you know, you, you got everything in position. You're, you're in place. And then you're doing this. You're looking and you're thinking that what's going to happen is you're going to start hearing the ground rumble before the enemy crosses over the horizon. You're thinking, man, I'm ready. And you pull back and you start looking and you start looking at the big things, man. You say, man, 2014, I'm going to do this. 2014, I'm ready for the enemy. And what happens when you're looking out here at this big picture? The small things will just kind of come into your life and creep in. Be careful. Be careful. But, but well, it's, it's, come on, Pastor. Now, you're getting old school, and, and you're getting into things now because you're talking about stuff like that. We serve this big God, grace. Remember? Oh, yeah, he's, he's got a grace. Absolutely. But every situation that you see that we get into, remember whose fault it was. Remember whose fault it was. Because what happens is this, it's the little things that come in. I never meant for it to get this big. No, no alcoholic ever intended or ever becoming one. But he did this. He opened one drink. And it always starts with that. Listen to me. You never, listen, no, no, no addict's ever going to do this, man. I'm going to start taking drugs, man. I'm going to ruin my life, and I'm going to lose everything I have. Man, I can't wait for that day. It's going to be awesome. Crack the door. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to leave my wife. I'm never going to do this, and I'm never going to do those things, and you click on the button. Be careful of the little things. I heard, man, just to, I'll never forget the, the interview that I heard, and I believe it was Ted Bundy. I believe it's the guy's name who, who murdered and serial killer and, and just done unimaginable things. And that you can't even just wrap your mind around. They started asking him, man, how did you do this? What happened? What led you to this? He said, I got hooked on pornography at a young age. I opened the door. Listen to me. Be careful of the little things. Be careful because this is how the enemy works. You see it. It says that he came in and he came in crawling. He came in swarming. He came in in every situation. He came in chewing. He came in in every situation no matter where he could. He always came in because here's what he would do. If he can't get you in one situation, get ready, he's going to come another way. And, and I've told people this. I've told people, I, I, I've, and I love, I love, we're talking about freedom. Dude, that kind of stuff gets me fired up. When he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And God sets us free. That's what he does. But let me, let me do it and let you know the enemy will come after free people. Because his goal and, his, and everything within him is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He wouldn't try to steal if you don't have anything. 
He wouldn't try to kill you if you didn't have life. He wouldn't try to destroy you if there wasn't something going on in your situation. But so we have to be aware of every situation the enemy comes in. And I love it. I'll sit down with counsel with people. Man, they start telling me, Pastor, I'm free in this certain area. God's done this in my life. And man, I'll celebrate with them. I'll hug with them, speak in tongues, shout, worship, just give God glory, praise him. And I'll tell them, just be be careful because he will not leave you alone. So we see the situations where the enemy has come in, and in every area, he always tries to attack the praise, and he's come in chewing, he's come in stealing, he's come in in every situation he can. But Jesus said this, come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly, man. It's what he wants for you. So in Scripture, I hate to put conditions on God, because sometimes I think that we, we would say, well, then we're, we're backing up and we're saying it's not grace or whatever. But you didn't get saved unless you, you did this, by grace through faith. All right? So I don't, wanna, I don't ever want to negate what, what God's asked of us to do. We always have a choice. It will always be our decision. He's always there. and He's always a faithful, good father who loves us. But we always have to make the choice and decision to surrender to that. So by grace through faith, are you saved and you surrender to that? And we see in this scripture... Where Jesus said, oh man, it's so heavy. And we, the word is spoken and God says this, that he's going to do some things and he wants to destroy the northern army. He wants to destroy it. He wants to take it and totally demolish those things in our life. But we see in scripture some things that we have to do. And uh, the first one is, go to, turn the page, Joel 2. Man, there's a lot of, man, there's a lot to do. What time is it? Come on, somebody. Y'all some, y'all radical today. Y'all better look at it. Joel 2.1. He says this. He, he says it. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. This is, this is, this is what happens. The devastation has happened. The desolation has come in. We've seen, the, we've seen the struggle. We've seen what's taken place. But God is wanting to bring restoration. He's wanting to heal, make it better than it was. Restore even the years the locusts had eaten. He was in every way trying to do this. And he said this. He said, blow the trumpet in Zion. He says, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. And I, I, I like the message Bible right there. The message Bible says this, shake the country up. It's time that church starts shaking some stuff up. I'm just, I'm telling you, it, it is time. We've sat back, had our arms folded, and our legs crossed, and we've looked over the glasses over top of our nose for long. It's time for the church to start shaking some stuff up. Every other organization does it. Come on, every other social group does it. It's time for the church to get together, come together, and shake some stuff up. And so he said, he said, it's time for us to sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. And I, Keep going, man. Verse 12, 13, he says this. He said, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And he says, Surrender your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing Man, do we see the picture of God here? Do we, do we see his love and what he's trying to do here? He, he, he's just, I don't know, I've, I've, I don't know, I've been in this thing now for a while, and as I study scripture, 
I was talking to somebody even recently about our study of Revelation, when we study Revelation, and even the things that we see happen, even the plagues and the things that would unfold, everything that you see happening in Scripture, even the bad things, God is just trying to get you closer to Him. If I, if I came out of Revelation with anything, man, when we studied that, is that everything that happened, all the stuff that took place, it was God constantly trying to do this, man, open your eyes, come to me. And you see it in the Old Testament and you see it in the New Testament where he's saying, return to me, come back to me, repent, do these things. And he said this, he said, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. Pastor Chris, go grab the shofar in my office, if you would. And I, I pulled it down, and it's just sitting right behind my desk. And I, I just want to pull this out for a second. We'll get ready, man. I, I so much I got it. What time is it? Oh, okay. All right. Ain't doing too bad. I done threw some stuff at y'all quick today. <clears throat> he says he blew the trumpet in Zion. And, and I want you to see what, what this is. This is, um, he can't find it. He lost my sense. Come on, somebody. Come on up here, Pastor. Can you blow that thing? Okay. <laughs> At least he's honest, man. <clears throat> I want you to just see, for, just, just for, for illustration's sake, this is a shofar. Dean, you think you got it in you today? I don't. Okay. Well, I, I'll hold off. Well, I don't, maybe I'll let you practice and get ready for next week. All right. But look at it. This, this is a shofar. And, and this was the trumpet, and they would sound the alarm. Now, if you're like me, when mine went off this morning, just be honest. We'll just keep moving, because I know I stepped on toes. Some of y'all, man. It's just, it just, it's just one of those things, man. That is, that's frustrating sometimes. But I don't, I don't, you have to get our understanding of an alarm, and their understanding of an alarm, make sure we get the right picture. Because when he says, sound the alarm, when he said, blow that trumpet in Zion, when he would tell them to do this, he, it was, there were several reasons. And uh, we've, we've discussed this, and I've done studies on it. It's pretty neat, interesting, the different you know, sounds that they would blow and the different things that they would make. But one of the things that they would do is this. They would blow the trumpet in Zion to, to, to recognize the enemy that is approaching. They would blow the trumpet of Zion to, to sound the alarm, to get ready to go rage war, to go after and pursue the enemy. And it also would do this. They would blow the trumpet in Zion to sound the alarm to call a sacred assembly. And I, I, want, I want you to hear this. They, he said in verse 15, he said, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. I don't, want you to, I, don't, I don't want you to ever minimize what God can do when we come together. I, I, I just, it, I know we're fighting a culture today that is just, I mean, it's, I, read it, I read a startling statistic that, that today the mindset of our culture, if they attend church somewhere once a month, they consider themselves faithful attender. And, and that's not so, well, you do this or you do that. I'm not, I'm not, listen, it's just, it's just a tough thing. And I know we're living a tough time. But never, whether you make it once a month, once a year, always look at this situation this way. If the alarm's been called and I'm coming into that sacred assembly, there's no telling what could happen. There's no limit. I, and I, I tweet about it, Facebook about it, man, God's going to do something this week. Y'all probably get sick of seeing it, man. Y'all probably get tired of liking my statuses. But I just believe that every time we come together, that sacred assembly is formed, God can show up. Amen. 
The Holy Spirit can move in that place. Deaf ears can open up. Blind eyes can open up. But you know what? The greatest thing that people can come to salvation. They can receive Jesus and have eternal home in heaven. And if we're ever going to get the restoration in our hearts and lives that he wants us to see, man, we come together. We blow the trumpet. I always want to blow this, but I, ain't, I'm, I won't. <clears throat> I ain't going to do y'all like that. <clears throat> I ain't going to do that. I sound like a dead cow, man. And, um, but they would do this. They would bring them together. And listen, I, I, want, man, I, want us to, I want us to get ready to close with this. Look where they would, and, and look where they would tell them to go to. If you, if you got your Bibles, keep reading. Verse 17. We'll close with this. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among them, peoples, where is their God? Now, I've been doing some study and, and looking at this, this, this verse, and there's a lot I may pick up here next week, but I want you to see what's going on here. He tells them to do this. He says, come to the place between the porch and the altar. First of all, I, we, we've got to understand today that when it says ministers, he's not talking about just the people on the stage. When that veil split and you had access into his presence, and he comes into your life, and if today you carry the name and the mantle Christian, you're a minister of, gospel, of the gospel. You're a carrier of his grace. You're called to be at work as a minister of reconciliation, bringing people to him and drawing people into his presence. So, man, understand, this is not just talking about the people up here. I'm just talking about each of us in this room. He says, come to this place, and he says, get back between the porch and the altar. And between the porch of the temple and the altar of burnt offerings, was the front door of the holy place. And it was a place where the presence of God was enthroned. And, and this is what I believe he's saying. He's calling us into that place. The porch was a place of, of comfort. I believe he's calling us to go past what's comfortable. And I believe, it, I, I think he's saying this today. I think he's saying, come back into a sacred place. And listen, if you do this, this is what he wants to do. He wants to restore. I, I want you to come back into this. I, I want you, if you respond, I want you to come into the place between the porch and altar, God's holy place, God's ta- his, his altar. I want you to come to this place, and I want you to start asking and start trusting and start believing for more and trusting God for greater, saying, God, you're here to restore, because this is what he says in verse 20, chapter 2. <clears throat> he said, I will remove far from you the northern army. I will drive away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will arise because he has done monstrous things. Listen to me. You want to get the enemy off of you? Get in God's presence. And he says this. He says, I'll restore unto you the year the locusts have eaten. And I love the picture of restoration in Scripture. We're going to see it painted during this series. He brings back literally what was going to take years and years and cycles of seeds, cycles of growth. When he comes on the scene, he says, I'll restore it. Some of you need to do this. Some of you fathers, fight for your praise, man. Get your praise back. 
set, set pride aside, set everything else, set frustration aside, and get your praise back. Some of your moms, man, you kind of gotten frustrated and you quit. Man, get your praise back. Don't stop. Don't quit. Get back in his presence. Come back to that place and, and, and start doing this. Start fighting back for your family. Start trusting. Start, start getting in that place in God's holy mountain because I believe this. I think this is where we're at so strong. As a place and as a church, as we're repenting, as we're returning to him, as we're doing these things, this is what happens, restoration. And not better than anything we can, no way, not anything we could work up, not trying to piece it together. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to the altar. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to surrender to him. And I'm going to go back and try to piece it together. Let me tell you what it is. It's you coming and surrendering to him. And allowing his grace to cover the situation. And to cover our nakedness. And cover our mistakes. Cover our sin. And allow his grace to work in our life.